We are wrapping up our series today. This is going to be the final uh, of the series, our summer series we've been going through. Uh, so I just want to let you know next week, uh, we're going to start for the month of August. We're doing a series on the family. Um, it's, we do this, something like this every year, but I really, I, I re, I'm really, really pouring my heart into this one, and I really feel this is going to be very, very important. One of the reasons is because right now in our country and in our world, our families are under huge attack, big time. So we're going to talk about that. How, how can we have a strong, healthy family in a culture that doesn't like families? basically is what we're going to talk about. Uh, but also, it's a great time if you know of families, uh, maybe especially couples who have a child who's maybe entering school. Uh, I remember years ago, one of the reasons this sort of piqued my uh, interest and we do this, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and him and his wife had been married for a few year, bunch of years and, and their first child was now entering kindergarten. And I'd been inviting them to church like a long time. And finally one day he said, you know, Vernon, uh, yeah, I grew up going to church a lot, but I, I just, I never, I, I don't know that I really need it in my life anymore. But with my child going to school, I started thinking, I, I want my child to be raised up in church uh, because I think she's going to need it. <laughs> okay, good. I didn't say he probably would either, but, and so they did, started coming. I realized that this is a very, for many parents, this is a very pivotal month coming up here in a couple weeks, school starts. So maybe they start school, maybe they're going to the next level of school, uh, going off to college, whatever it is. So, uh, you know, we as adults, it's a good time for us to maybe evaluate where we're at. Maybe for our family, our fam, you know, if you're really serious about your family, your, your kids matter their eternity, their life, their values, and so we're going to talk about that in uh, the next month ahead. So, All right, got your message notes, wrapping up our series. We've been talking about being unshakable in a world that is shaking. I mean, would anybody agree that there's a lot of shaking going on right now? Yeah, and you know, not just around us, but some of you, your lives, you're, you're, you're experiencing personal shaking. Maybe a crisis you're going through, maybe just a hard time. So this isn't just for the things that are going on in the world. This is for you and I. And we've talked about how, how do you make yourself unshakable? What is unshakable? It means that no matter what happens to you or around you, you're going to stand firm in your faith. You will not be shaken or rocked back and forth. You're going to stand there. And you're going to say, world, bring it on because me and God, we got this. That's what being unshakable sort of looks like, right? So we talked about some things. We talked about the importance of being able to, to see the world and everything that's going on in the world as, as more of a spiritual issue than a physical issue. That this is a spiritual conflict we're dealing with, and it's not any one person or groups of people that we're fighting against. We also talked about the importance of having a very, very strong conviction about the truth of God's Word. We're going to cover some of that this morning. We also talked about the fact that prayer needs to be a foundation of your life. That, that prayer needs to be every... It's your go-to. No matter what happens in life, good or bad, whatever. 
prayer, your prayer, your talking with God, your depending on God needs to be at the very center of your life. And, and then we talked about having a, uh, a, a, a biblical or a Christian worldview, seeing the world through the eyes of Scripture rather than through a secular worldview or a humanistic worldview makes such a big difference, especially in our world today. Uh, we talked about how powerful God's promises are. That if there's ever a time that you can depend on them, because they're always true, God always comes through, it's during a difficult time, right? Those are the times that often we need his promises to come through the most, and you can always count on that. Uh, last week we talked about the fact that if you're going to be unshakable, you need to build your, around yourself a network of people. People that are people of faith, for one thing, but they can help you. They can encourage you. They can be with you no matter what you're going through. You're going to need people in your life to be unshakable. Now, you put all that together and you go, wow, that, looks like a, that sounds like hard work, right? That's a lot of stuff i got to do. True. And then on top of that all, God says to be unshakable, you need to not give up. <laughs> Don't ever stop. All of those things, you continue to do them. You persevere and you hang in there. So that's what we're going to talk about today. The Bible says things like you need to stand firm. You need to be strong. You need to be of good courage. And then in a bunch of different ways, the Bible says that you do not fear. You know how many times the Bible mentions that in some form or other? 365. Hmm. You'd almost think that's a pretty good coincidence, right? Other than I think God meant it because you need it. I think every day you face things where you need to be reminded, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. God says because I am with you. And... Uh, because life's hard. Why does God tell us all that? Why does God want us to be unshakable, to stand firm? Because life is hard, isn't it? Following Jesus can be very, very hard, challenging. Doing the right thing in life, that can wear you out. I mean, that can be hard as well, especially in today's world that comes at us in so many different ways. So we're going to go to our theme verse. And uh, we shared this at the very beginning of the series. And this is where the series uh, started from, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12, up here on the screen. It says this in your notes. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. My goal as your pastor is that you become one of those unshakable things so that you remain, that you are victorious. Because, what does that mean? It, there is a shaking coming. Whether, and it says, God, uh, God says right there, He's going to do the shaking. We know, that's, we know that during the tribulation, God's going to shake the earth and the world and everything, but there's also shaking now as well. Some of the shaking is from God. Some of the shaking is from the decisions you make. Some of the decision or some of the shaking is from what other people do, the world. I mean, you turn on the news and you, your TV sh literally shakes. It's just that bad of what's going on right now, right? So there's a lot of shaking going on. 
And uh, the challenge is, how do we persevere? How do we hang in there in the midst of all that? Well, our how many of you have memorized any verses throughout this series? Hey, we got a couple. Yeah, way to go. And uh, so what we're doing, because it's not a because not, we didn't have 100% participation. I know. I tried. We're just going to call it our verse for the day. How's that? You can still memorize it. Let's, let's look at this one. It's James 1.12. All right. Can we read this one at least together out loud? Ready? Here we go. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation afterward. They will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Circle the words there in your notes. Circle the words patiently endure. That is what it look, that's, it, that's what perseverance looks like. When you patiently endure, it says testing, temptation. You could put tribulation. You could put difficulties. You could put shaking. You patiently endure the shit. Now think about this for a moment, though. If this coming week, by next Sunday morning, you look back on this week and you go, this week was amazing. I don't think I had any difficulties. I had nothing negative happen in my life. It was like heaven on earth. Would you feel the need to have patiently endured anything? Not really, right? Everything's going well. So when do you need to patiently endure? When difficulty comes. When testing comes. When tribulations come. When the shaking comes. That's when you need to persevere. That's when you need to patiently endure whatever it is that you're facing. Because it's going to take courage. It takes courage to have perseverance. It takes courage to hang in there. And, and to do the right thing. We're going to talk about these things. It's, it takes courage to face your future. It's going to take courage to not give up and to face your fears. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Romans 5 says this, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Can I get an Amen. Yeah, that was a little bit. Okay. Um, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. It says suffering produces perseverance. And that is true. Unless you are not unshakable. If you are shakable, and if you are not standing firm in the truth of God's word, suffering can actually destroy you. But once you realize, and you have created this unshakableness about you, I think that's a word, anyways, then you realize that all these things, all the suffering that comes into my life, 
It's going to produce perseverance, and perseverance is going to produce all these other good things, character, hope, and all these other things. So how do we get to the point of being unshakable and persevering in that? So got four things. Let's go to number one, first of all, is that I, I need to, first of all, face my fears. I need to face my fears. I need to have perseverance in the face of the things that I fear, the things that I'm afraid of. You know, if you, think of, if you really think about it, so many of the things that we go through in life are fear-related. You ever notice that? Uh, a lot of times, difficulty in our life produces fear, so we got fear there, or Sometimes, because of fear, we make decisions that cause us to have difficulty. In, you ever do that? You're so afraid of something, you made a really bad decision, and you're like, oh, I really messed up on that one. So fear is really involved in a lot of the difficulties that we face in life. And if you're not shakable when, these, when, these, when fear comes along, it can actually create, a, I'm going to call it a chink in the armor, it can actually expose a crack. Remember the first week we talked about the fact that we need to, because there's a, the world, things going on is a spiritual battle, you need to put on the armor of God, you need to put on the belt of truth, you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, uh, the sword of the spirit, you need to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, and you need to stand firm in this world that is attacking you. The spiritual world that is attacking you. However, the minute that you allow fear to enter that picture, it actually begins creating openings in your armor that cause you to become shakable, that cause you, that cause you to become vulnerable in those areas. That's why you need to face, you need to get rid of the fear. That's why God said 365 times, fear not, don't be afraid. Because it is such a powerful, negative experience that we can have. But we also know, let me get the right page here. Yeah. First service, I, f I missed a page and got really confused, but we got it this time. But here's what it looks like when you actually have to face your fear. I mean, most of us don't want to, right? If there's something you're afraid of, what do you try to usually do? You avoid it. I don't want to go there. I'm afraid of that. Okay, it's sort of like going off. Uh, some of you remember these in the past. Swimming pools, public swimming pools used to have high dives. Okay, anybody remember those? Sun and Fun used to have a high dive. Anybody remember that one? Okay, a couple of you here. That was scary when you're a little 11 and 12-year-old kid and you're, you climb up the stairs and you're going to conquer this 10-foot diving board you walk out to the end and you know you're you're shaking and then you go okay that wasn't so bad let's do it again but but facing your fear is hard because what you're doing is you're walking into a situation you're moving intentionally into a situation that has you scared to death but here's what david says in psalm 23 okay the 23rd psalm the fourth verse says this, even though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. Stop there for a moment. You know what David was saying? He's saying right there is the valley of the shadow of death. I could die. It's scary there. But I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to go right into that valley because why? Why can't I do that? Because And I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, talking to God, because your rod and your staff, they give me comfort. That's why, folks, do not let fear keep you from doing what you know God wants you to do and what you're supposed to do. You can face that fear. You can walk right into that fear. You can tackle that fear because God is with you. Amen? That's what it means to face our fears and to become unshakable in that way. But there's also another way that God provides for us to, to deal with our fear. I love this. We, we could have a whole sermon series on this one, but we're going to just... 1 John four eighteen. It says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives, drives out fear. In other words, every time that you choose to love God's way, because God's way of loving is the only perfect love, every time you choose to love God's way, fear leaves the room. It can't hang out anymore. So, Whatever you are afraid of, whatever causes fear, whatever sort of rises up in you and go, takes your breath away. Just love the way God loves every time. Choose love. And that fear, that anxiety, that stress leaves the room. It has to. They don't like each other. Number two. Second thing I do is I need to persevere in the truth. In the truth, knowing the truth, living out the truth, doing what is true and right. This is where conviction comes in. Because the truth needs to be a conviction in your life. Not just a, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I believe that. It, it needs to be a deep down conviction. And it is so important today, but also in the future. Because it's not hard to predict this one because it's already happening. So I can't say that I'm a prophet on this one. Every one of you here today, if you, if you truly profess Jesus Christ is your Savior, that you believe in the Bible as the true Word of God, you will be challenged. You will be made fun of. You will be canceled you will be ridiculed you will be persecuted can you handle that <laughs> is the question are you willing to go through that and and keep your conviction keep your belief that the that the bible is god's word it is true every bit of it and, and it is inerrant it is infallible and it is just as relevant today as it was two three thousand years ago when it was written folks if you don't have that you're not going to make it because so many people right now in the world, even Christians, are falling by the wayside because they've given up that conviction. That's the one thing that will carry you through. 
And it says this, 1 Timothy. Paul is writing, Paul wrote both 1 and 2 Timothy to his sort of like spiritual son, Timothy, who was pastoring now uh, the church in Ephesus. And here's what he says. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Like today. Instead, to suit... To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons that the church, churches, are getting very confused and becoming ineffective these days is because so many people, including leaders within the church, are vulnerable to the attacks of sound doctrine because they don't have a strong conviction of the truth of God's word. Don't be one of those. You have to know, you have to have a conviction that God's word is the final word. Exclamation point. I really, that's, that's such a burden for me right now because I see so many people, people I even know personally from way back. Just, they're losing, they're, they're losing it, folks. <laughs> they're drifting. They think they're right, but they're drifting from the faith and they're becoming so vulnerable to that. Titus 1.9 says this. It says he's talking about a leader in the church or just a leader. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught, then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. <laughs> I love that. Did you know that some people are just wrong? They're just flat out wrong. They're just, what they're believing and what they're saying, it's like, that doesn't work at all. It's just a lie. You've been deceived. You're wrong. Uh, but they think they're right. But you know, that last part there, he talks about this, being able to pass it on. One of the, I've learned this, and some of you've learned this as well, one of the most powerful ways for you to really study the Bible, study Scripture, and to really take it to the next level of sort of devouring it and, and being passionate about it, is when you study the Word, the Bible, to teach it to others. Now, some of you have done that. So somebody said, hey, could you teach this Sunday school class? Hey, could you lead this small group? You know, and you've said, oh, okay, well, what do I do? He said, well, here, here's your lesson. Here's the Bible. You, you study this. And all of a sudden, rather than reading the Bible for your own personal devotions, you're now reading it to actually get something really good out of it because you're going to talk to others about it. You're going to teach it. So I want to encourage you. You may not teach it. You may not be leading a group or a class or whatever, but I want to encourage you to start studying and reading the Bible as if you were going to have to tell somebody else what you're studying and teach it to them. It will make a huge difference because over and over again, it's happened to me and other people. It's like, man, I learned so much 
when I had to study it to teach it to tell other people about it. It will change your life. And then because you're prepared, you probably will get an opportunity to share it with someone. So it's just amazing how God does things like that. So, Okay, um, the next one, number three, is I need to persevere in doing what is right. Persevere in doing what is right. This is when... This is when you know the right thing to do, and you do it. You don't second-guess yourself, and you don't stop. Now, when I talk about the right thing, the right thing isn't always a choice between evil and good. Sometimes the right thing is just the right thing. And those are the hard ones, right? Because you have a couple pretty good options, which one is the right one? Well, you will know. I'll tell you in a little bit. But this is where you just keep on doing the right thing, and you don't stop. You don't give in to pressure. You don't hesitate. Every situation that comes up, you do the right thing. Now, it, it may sound difficult or hard, but did you know that God actually makes a way for you to know what the right thing is in every situation? Three things. Number one, you guessed it. Go ahead and say it. The Bible, right? The Bible gives you everything you need for some of the major things in life. So get to know the Bible. The second one is the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has already given you, put inside of you, His Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? do? A lot of things. One of those is He reveals truth to you. As you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit enlightens you, illuminates the Word so you understand it. But he also empowers you. He also speaks to you. Sometimes he gives you the words to say and the decisions to make. But there's one other thing that God has given everyone, and that is your conscience. You all have one. Okay? Sometimes you listen to your conscience, and sometimes you don't. Do I get an amen? All right. Now, if you are born again, the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He is guiding your conscience. And God put it there to simply help you know what is right and wrong. What is the right thing to do? Sometimes it's very obvious, and sometimes it's a little tricky. But you know what, you know what God says about our consciences? In Romans chapter 1, there's toward 20, verse 23, 24, 25, He says there's coming a day when people are going to make so many decisions against their conscience that their consciences will actually be seared, is, is one of the words for it. it. It will be canceled. No longer will they have a conscience because they've chosen to do the wrong thing so much that they will not any longer have a conscience to guide their thinking and their decisions. You don't want to be one of those. <laughs> You, God has given you the means by which to know what to do and to live by to make the right decision. And we know, we also know that as every day goes by, the world makes it harder to do that, to do the right thing. Not only is it hard work, not only uh, does it wear you out, but I guarantee you this, some of you have already experienced this, doing the right thing will make you lose friends once in a while because friends will disagree with the right thing when you choose to do it. I love what it says in Galatians 6, 9. 
It says, let us not become weary in doing good, can also be translated in doing the right thing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Uh, one translation says a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. So the next thing in your notes there is what we call the foundational conviction. With each of our messages in the series, there's a conviction. These are things that you need to know and to grab a hold of. And without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to hang on to this. And it says this. I will keep on doing what's right. <laughs> that is every one of us this morning. You need to walk away from this, from this service, this place, with that conviction on your heart. You know what? That's one thing I can do. I might not have the ability to do a lot of other things, but I can always do the right thing. How many of you have ever done something that you regretted later? Should be almost every hand, right? It's like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Man, this, but I guarantee you this, you will never regret the pursuit of always doing the right thing. No regrets. Maybe could have done it a different way, but doing the right thing will always put you in a good place. James 1-2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because that you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So here's what it says, talking about maturity and perseverance and doing the right thing. It takes maturity to do the right thing. Doing the right thing develops maturity. Sort of see that? Every time you choose to do the right thing, just know it took some maturity to do that. But every time you do it, it produces even more maturity. If you want to grow up in your faith and be strong in your faith, doing the right thing every time will catapult you like nothing else. And then number four is this. The last one, probably the most important one is that I need to persevere in loving people. In loving people. 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Verse 13. Three things will last forever. It means these are three really, really important things. There's faith. There's hope. And there's love. And the greatest of these is what? It's love. Love covers all of it. Love is the most important, the number one thing, and the most unshakable thing you can do when shaking comes. Maybe in your own life, your family, you, you know, your friends, the world, the most, the most unshakable thing you can do is just keep on loving people. Loving God and loving people. Being committed to the, you know, being committed to truth is, is powerful, right? If you're committed to the truth and telling other people about the truth and all that, that, that's good. But here's the thing. I want you to catch this. The Bible tells us that we're to speak the truth in what? In love. If you don't, 
express the truth in a loving and caring way to other people. You might be right, but you're also going to discredit your message. And you might, as, might discredit yourself as well. And you can be as right as you want. You can shout from the mountaintops. You can post all over social media. You can yell from, you can tell all your friends, and you may be 100% correct. But if you don't do it in love, you might as well just shut up. Is that harsh? Is that true, though? Yeah, it is true. I love you, though. I did it in love. See how I did that? Okay. <laughs> 1 Peter 1.22 says this. It says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must, okay, you, you obey, when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And then most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? It means that when you really, really love people, there's just a lot of grace. There's a lot of mercy. There's a lot of forgiveness. But when you don't have real love, everything becomes an issue. So, wrapping it up. What does it all mean? What does it mean to become unshakable? You know, it seems like a pretty daunting task, right? It's like, but pastor, that looks like such hard work, and I don't know if I can do it all perfectly. Nobody's asking you to do anything perfectly. I don't know if I can do it. Well, you just need to know this. You're not alone. It isn't just a bunch of individuals trying to do this on their own. Number one, we have the church family. We're here to help each other. We're here to build each other up. We're here to encourage each other. But you also have, and I'm not sure exactly how this works, but you have a whole crowd of people that have gone before us, people of faith, that are cheering you on right now. Did you know that? Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, I don't, I don't know. Are they shouting from heaven? Or where are they? I don't know. But they're cheering you on somewhere, somehow. They're, they're rooting for you. So, therefore, let us strip off everything that, uh, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. He's cheering you on, for one thing. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Okay, you've watched some of the movies, the, the Jesus movies, the, the Passion of the Christ. You saw all the hatred and hostility that was demonstrated toward him. And then it's because of that. It says, then you, when you think about that, you won't become weary and give up. 
After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. So as we move into the future, as we move into times that are very uncertain, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's going to happen this week. If it's like last week and the week before, it's like, ugh. Not again, not some more. But I don't, you don't have to be shaken by that stuff. A good thing is just shut off the news and you won't even know anything of it. But the other part is when you do hear about stuff and you see stuff, you can go, you know what? God, you got this one too. I don't need to worry. I don't need to stress. Surround yourself with people. Connect with other people who can encourage you because if you're all by yourself, you're going to struggle. Even if you have the greatest intentions, you're going to struggle through the things that life throws at you, and especially now. Connect with others. Connect with the church family. But your biggest connection, folks, needs to be that you need to connect with God himself through Jesus Christ. Every one of us here this morning If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you haven't ever gotten to the point of saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you lived, that you died on the cross. You forgave me of my sins and gave me a new life, a new start. You came back to life. You rose again on the third day so that I can have a new life, so that I can have a changed life and a new home here on earth, power for living, but I can have a home in heaven someday. Because that's the only way you're going to get it is through Jesus Christ. And then you simply say, Jesus, I want you to live in and be in control of my life. I'm all yours. Everything. I just surrender all of it to you. That's how you connect with God. If you don't have that, the future is going to be very shaky for you your first step to becoming unshakable is this build your life on the rock of jesus christ and that's how you do it